today on Ag News Daily. We sort of look at each other and say, wow, this is pretty special what's going on even 20 days, 30 days after emergence. And then we realized we had something middle of the year. Well, that, that put us into a position that we need to learn more. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Ag News Daily podcast sponsored today by Zyway Brand Fungicides by FMC. Delaney Howell back today in Iowa in my office. It feels good to be back home today, Ashton. Well, I'm glad that you are back home, Delaney, but I hope that you're wearing your green today. You know, I got to tell you, I forgot it this morning when I left to go to the gym. I had a couple meetings in Des Moines afterwards. I'm not wearing any green and it is what it is. I don't think we'll be doing a lot of uh, festivities today. It's rainy and cold here. To be honest, I'm just glad to be home for the first time in quite some time. So I am probably going to opt out of doing any St. Patrick's Day festivities, but I hope our listeners do. Yeah, I don't think that I'm going to be doing too much myself. My mom and I are kind of in the spirit, and I think we're going to just make some green beers at home or attempt to. I don't know how green they're actually going to come out, but we'll see. Ashton, the other thing is, I was thinking about this this morning, and I'm not entirely positive that today is the day, but one day this week was officially, or is officially, it might be tomorrow, uh, our two sorry, not two year, our five year anniversary doing the Ag News Daily podcast. So that is super crazy to think about. I saw the other day, we hit a thousand episodes and Tanner Winterhoff texted me and said, Hey, I didn't know that this was going on. We could have talked about it last week at Commodity Classic. And I was like, to be honest, I kind of forgot that we were this far along. So yay. And thank you to everyone who's supported us the last five years. Well, you know, Delaney, they say that time flies when you're having fun. So I guess we've just been having a lot of fun, or at least that's you have true. the last five years. That, that's got to be it. We've just been having so much fun. I've totally forgotten where we're at. Well, Delaney, I have some not so fun news to kick things off with today. Really just a small update talking about the drought because the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration said earlier today that the drought is likely to expand and worsen in the western portion of the U.S. You know, we tend to get a lot of rain, at least, you know, where I'm from in the springtime. I say a lot of rain. That's really just like our rainy season, you know. So I was a little hopeful heading into the spring that we were going to see things kind of lighten up across the western portion of the U.S. But it's looking like these dry conditions are going to continue. And of course, this enhances the risk of wildfires across the Southwest and Southern U.S. Plains, and it stresses farms out in California. So I am hopefully not going to be reporting. Neither of us hopefully will be reporting too much on wildfires this season, but you never know, especially now that this drought is likely to expand and worsen. Yeah. And as Eric Snodgrass shared in his morning newsletter the other day, I think I shared this on the podcast, but to be honest, I'm not entirely sure at this point, my brain is kind of scrambled, but yeah, it looks like La Nina drought patterns are continuing. We're going to expect to see hot and dry again yet this year. So although we don't want to see those wildfires, Ashton, it certainly sounds like again, brewing up for kind of that perfect storm of hot and dry again this year. 
Yeah, it's pretty unfortunate, Delaney. You know, I, we actually, I forgot to report this on the podcast the other day, but uh, about two or three nights ago, we had a good thunderstorm here in the suburbs of Dallas. And there was actually a tornado that touched down about a mile and a half from my parents' place. We didn't have to take cover, luckily, but lots of hail, lots of rain, lots of thunder and lightning. Uh, But wish we just had some more showers in the forecast. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more there, Ashton. Although today we're getting quite a bit of rain, which we definitely could could use. Their subsoil moisture is pretty dry in our neck of the woods as well. But as we turn our attention here to some other big news impacting the world of agriculture and beyond, yesterday the Federal Reserve approved interest rate hikes for the more for the first time in more than three years. And of course, we knew this was coming. They've been indicating that this was in the works and certainly are going to see more this year as well. About six they're expecting to see here over the next year to 18 months. And yesterday's first rate hike, again, the first in three years, we haven't seen one since December of 2018, has largely been to continue to try and control inflation and expected to come at the each of the remaining six meetings here in 2022. But yesterday's was just a quarter of a percentage point rate hike. And by the end of 2022, beginning of 2023, expected to see about a 2% hike overall. And again, largely trying to control inflation and fight inflation. And as some analysts we've talked to have shared, uh, it might be coming at a time too late. So only time will tell there. They're trying to, of course, curb inflation and continue to control that, especially as we continue to see things coming out of Russia, Ukraine, Ashton, because we're continuing to hope for a peace agreement between Russia and Ukraine. But apparently, President Putin gave a speech yesterday about, quote, cleansing society from scum and traitors. So that certainly doesn't sound like positive words coming from a man interested in ceasefire action. No, that's a a little scary, to be honest. It kind of reminds me of something that a villain in some kind of superhero movie would say. Yeah, and it's uh, definitely not. Yeah, definitely not nice words. Definitely. He didn't he didn't waste time in mincing his words on how he felt, though. Delaney, before I get into my next piece of news here, why don't we take a pause and hear from FMC? Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Well, Delaney, I have a piece of news here that I think a lot of our Iowa listeners will take a interest in. We have a new tax law in the state of Iowa, which Governor Kim Reynolds signed last week, and it's looking like retired farmers will have several new tax exemptions to choose from under this new tax law. 
So retirement income taxes is going to be one of the first things eliminated under this new law. Beginning in 2023, Iowans will no longer pay state tax on income from 401k plans, pensions, or other retirement accounts. Reynolds said that the change rewards retirees who have worked all of their lives. But Representative Lee Hain, who's a farmer and the chair of the House Ways and Means Committee, said that provision left out farmers who rent or sell their land to fund their retirement. And so that's kind of why Iowa's new tax law has two options for retired farmers, essentially granting them the same retirement income tax cut. Farmers may choose to exempt the income they receive from renting out their farmland, or they may receive a tax exemption from selling their farm property. And I know that we have a lot of Iowa listeners, so I'm going to include this article in our network newsletter because it talks a little bit more about how does the farm lease income tax exemption work, who's eligible, and those kinds of things. And I think it's really interesting how they are setting up this new tax law. So if any of our Iowa farmers out there are retired or are going to retire soon, this could be of interest to you guys. So make sure you're signed up for that newsletter. Yeah, I got to be honest with you too. I didn't, I haven't seen this come through the legislation yet. And well, obviously I've been gone, so I haven't been paying super close attention to Iowa Iowa news and Iowa tax law, but uh, certainly we'll be interested to read that article in the newsletter this week, Ash. And so thanks for finding that one. But as we continue to watch the events unfurling in Ukraine, uh, I have a farmer, I think we've got him set up almost tentatively confirmed for uh, recording an interview with us tomorrow, if not early next week. And he shared an article with me via WhatsApp looking at planting season for Ukrainian farmers. And Ashton, this might be another good one we share here. I'll post it or send it your way and we can post that one in the newsletter as well. But it was put together by the UA Council. And I haven't read about what the UA Council is, but it's a European organization from what I can tell. And they put out this article today looking at planting for the southeastern, eastern, and northern regions of Ukraine and said that the war and weather have both postponed local farmers' plans to get planted. They said in the West as well as in the center, the situation isn't much better. And according to farmers, the main problem is going to be sowing, which in addition to the war with Russia, is poor logistics. And they're saying that a lot of suppliers have seen delayed seed delivery, lack of fuel, fertilizer, and chemicals for crop protection. And although no one's refusing to plant as of yet, the main concern right now is quality and quantity of the future crop yield. So like I said, I'll share this article. We'll be sure to share it on our newsletter and maybe on social media as well. But... Ukrainian farmers, I do not envy their position. Nobody really does, obviously, but uh, they certainly are, are dealing with a lot of logistics and issues as they're trying to do the best they can and get this thing planted. And not to diminish what's going on in the Ukraine, but so many people are having to go over bumps in the road and things of that nature when trying to get a couple of things done here lately. You know, we've been talking a lot about supply chain disruptions, strikes, and things of that nature. And there's a, another strike that is looming over Spain. 
truck drivers are striking for better working conditions. And this has, of course, caused some disruptions at some supermarkets and certain industries in Spain. In particular, dairy food producers have been complaining of some supply shortages as they have received less milk in the past couple of days. Either way, a truck drivers and small truck owners group called the Platform for the Defense of Transportation went on strike on Monday, demanding lower taxes and lighter regulations to improve a situation that they describe as total bankruptcy. Jose Hernandez, who is a representative for the platform and a truck driver who lost his job back on March 7th, said that diesel prices was the straw that broke the camel's back. His company stopped operating because the fees it earned didn't cover costs. And it seems like soaring energy costs have really compounded general price increases, which is threatening to slow down post-pandemic economic recovery, and generating social discontent in many countries. And so that really didn't come as a huge surprise to me, but I uh, thought it was interesting nonetheless, especially because the Spanish Federation of Food and Drink Industries urged the government to act against road blockages in some industries industrial areas in Spain. And some of these pickets have now turned violent. So I'm going to be keeping my eyes out on this one because I know that we've had a couple of strikes here in North America, but I don't know that I've heard of any getting particularly violent, Delaney. No, I I would agree with that. I don't know that I have either. I mean, we certainly have seen lots of frustrations from people and worker safety has been a big one that we continue to watch or... um, Maybe not so much worker safety, but folks that are concerned about COVID or have concerns about the way things are being pushed forward. And some are for the vaccination. Obviously, some are against it, but certainly a lot of concern when it comes to worker rights in general. So it sounds like this is just another one of those chain of events that are following similar suits, Ashton. Certainly sounds that way, Delaney. But other than that, I'm all out of news for today. So why don't we take a quick pause before moving on and hearing from today's sponsor. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented season-long inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Fantastic. Well, Ash and I do have a couple other pieces of news here. Thanks again there to FMC for sharing that message with us. But both of my last couple of pieces of news here have to do with the fertilizer industry. We've got two big pieces I was reading today, and one of which is just kind of a breakdown of fertilizer spending by state. Nine states spent more than a billion dollars on fertilizer in 2020. And they're saying, of course, corn growers with highly productive ground have continued to need to pay more. And it's interesting when you look at those top nine states that spent a billion dollars or more. And we're talking a billion dollars each state. And that will only get steeper, it sounds like, as 2022 expenses are tallied. But California spent over a billion dollars. Iowa was second on that list, followed by Illinois, Minnesota, Nebraska, Texas, Indiana, Kansas, Missouri, And I'm sure many others were not very far behind, but that certainly was an interesting piece of news here to read today, as well as this piece, which hopefully, knock on wood, might help with some of those aggressive prices we're seeing. CEF Industries 
has announced, or CF Holdings, I should say, has announced that they're going to be increasing fertilizer shipments to both U.S. coasts from the world's largest nitrogen complex in Louisiana to help offset a decline in exports now from Russia after they invaded Ukraine. They said that they have leased several additional vessels to help transport more fertilizer, mostly liquid nitrogen, from their facility down in Donaldsonville, Louisiana. And the company can ship products up the Mississippi River to the Midwest and load vessels to sail down river through the Gulf Coast to tanks on either coast. So certainly some positive news there to say. I don't know that this will control the price all that much, but will at least hopefully allow folks to have more availability to some nitrogen fertilizer products. Well, Delaney, I'm all out. Like I mentioned there, do you have anything else for us to chat about before we head into the markets? Well, you know, we're still airing a couple other conversations I snagged while I was in Commodity Classic last week, and I saw this piece of news hit my inbox this morning. It was from Commodity Classic saying that nearly 8,000 attendees, which included farmers, exhibitors, and industry stakeholders, as well as the media, gathered in New Orleans. So that was certainly a little bit down from most years there with just 8,000 attendees. But overall, really was a good show and was able to have some great conversations with folks that I know we're going to continue to air into today, Ashton. So aside from that, let's hop into the markets. Well, Ashton, we certainly had a turnaround Thursday and... I haven't largely been paying attention to the markets today. I've got to be honest with you. So I don't know what's been happening to really kick things back into the green today. But nonetheless, May Horn finished 24 and a half cents higher at 7.54 and a half. The July up 21 and three quarter cents to finish at 7.18 and three quarters. The December up 15 and a quarter cents to finish at 6.45. Soybeans today in the green as well with the May contract adding 19 and a quarter cent to close at 16.68 and a half. November new crop beans up nine cents to close at 14.69 and a quarter. And in the wheat pits today, the May contract added 28 and three quarters cents to close at 10.98. The July up 33 and a half cents to close the day out at 10.76. Hopping over to take a look at the livestock markets today, we saw some mixed trade across proteins today as the April live cattle contract added 12 and a half cents to close at 139.47. The June up 40 cents to close at 135.92 and a half. Beauty cattle today, weakness as the April contract shed $1.52 and a half to close at a buck sixty-one. The May down $1.40, settling the day at $165.87. And in lean hogs today, the April contract down $2.02 to close at $135. The May down $3 to close at $108. And lastly, wrapping things up here with the class three dairy milk futures, the April today added. 26 cents to close at 23.14. The May up 37 cents, closing the day out at 23.70. Ashton, without further ado, let's kick it over to my conversation coming to us from last week's Commodity Classic with BioVant. Chatting with Chris Masters, CEO of BioVant down here at Commodity Classic. And I've got to give a quick disclosure. We're hosting a panel later today, Friday afternoon, to talk about BioVant. And uh, Yield and ROI champions in the field have been using these products for quite a few years. But Chris, I'm really excited to chat with you today. It's been really interesting to learn about BioVant and the company itself and have heard a lot of great things from all the farmers that you work with. Let's talk a little bit about 
your background and how you started BioVant in the first place. Sure. I've been in the ag industry since 2003, was doing some international sales for a company that uh, was working with adjuvants and surfactants. Started then in 2007, 2008, looking at biological technology started testing at 9, 10, and 11, and it really wasn't until 2012 that we started to launch and actually come out to the market. Um, the establishment of the company, uh, I was working, selling chemicals at the time, realized that if we're going to continue on this path, we can't keep the name chemical in, in, in the brand. So changed the name to, to BioVant. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing about BioVant, uh, Avante in Latin means to pioneer. So I just dropped the A, added the BIO, and here we are with BioVant. <laughs> so uh, since that establishment, you know, we have started and we're progressing. We're working directly with a lot of growers, had the opportunity to work with retailers, those that are soil health minded. And, uh, you know, you're really changing a narrative for the farming community that has been established so long. And sometimes those curves are high and long and they're hard to get up and climb. But uh, I think, you know, the products speak for themselves and we're having a lot of successes in the field. And that narrative of biologicals is one that I feel like we've seen really come to light here in the last five, maybe seven years of farmers starting to adapt these biologicals into their practices. But why did you pick biologicals in particular? You could have done a number of different sure. things. Yeah. You know, I, I think when we look at soil health and, you know, being mindful of soil health, there's three components of soil health. There's physical, chemical, and then biological. However, if you pick a category in the ag industry, we could talk about chemical and we could talk about physical, but it was like the third wheel was biological. We knew that our grass grew every year. We knew that these microorganisms somehow functioned in our soil, but we just didn't know enough about it. And it's still an evolving um, technology as we learn about it as a company. But, you know, it was one of these things that forecasting looking forward, uh, it wasn't that we had a crystal ball. It's the fact that we ha were growing live microorganisms, had the connectivity to, to branch our science and increase our science, and we just went with it. We were all in. So um, whenever that happened, we decided to continue to looking at the different strains and how they were responding in the soil and learn from them and learn from our growers that were coming back and giving us feedback. And now here we are 11, 10 years you know, later, and it is kind of starting to be mainstream conversation. People are talking about which one should I use? What do these do? Uh, and again, these were functions that were happening in the soil, but now we're bringing something to light that the farmers, it's on their level and it's kind of being in their face. They're having to, to actually deal with it now. Other companies are marketing products. So there's a choice, there's options. We hope to feel that, you know, we are a pioneer in the fact that we are a biological leader. And it's been really evident in some of the conversations farmers have been having. You've got some pretty well-known guys that yeah. are yield contest champions that use the BioVant product line and are very uh, vocal about the success that they've seen with the different products lineup. Talk to us a little bit about some of those success stories that BioVant's been uh, excited to share. Sure. You know, when we started, uh, it was all about soil health and the improvements of the soil started to release more expression in the plants. And that was something that we started to pick up on very early on, especially with soybeans. You know, in 2016, when I was working with Jimmy, Jimmy Frederick out of Rulo, Nebraska, 
So that year started, he had had a two treatments or a year prior to that using one of our biological products on the soil. We come into 2016 and he was having a crusting issue on one of these bottoms that he farms. And he said, what should I do? I said, you probably need to turn on the pivot. So he turned on the pivot just to get him up out of the ground. Little did we know that struggle uh, that the plants went under, the, the soil treatments that we're adding really started to we started looking at each other and say, wow, this is pretty special what's going on even 20 days, 30 days after emergence. And then we realized we had something middle of the year. Well, that, that put us into a position that we need to learn more. And I, I don't know that any farmer, if he has a, a way to get to point B from point A faster, he's going to do that. Greg, Jimmy, Matt, they are investing the time. They are putting in the hours to understand what's happening, how the plants are responding. And because of that, we're seeing yields increase. We're seeing Greg McClure going two years back to back on soybeans, breaking the Illinois soybean record twice, his own record. Um, and, and it's just unheard of. And then Jimmy being able to see the yields uh, that he's having today, he's going to be showing a video in our booth to where his monitor um, on his combine on some soybeans and a patch that we were working with was going anywhere from 158 all the way up to 191 bushels per acre. And that's soybeans. And, you know, those are corn numbers that we normally see. So it's just one of these things I encourage guys that if you're going to start with biologicals, you have to stay consistent. Uh, we are in an industry that we put one in, we get two out. And the thing with biology is they don't respond to how you and I respond. It's not linear. It's a dynamic response. So as we build uh, biostimulants and um, make sure that the soil has the food for these to stay active and living, the improvements will come over time. And then now here you start to see Jimmy and Matt and Greg, they're three years into this, four years into this, and they're starting to see some yields that even the seed companies didn't see with these same genetics. So it's, it's pretty fun and exciting to see. Yeah. And all three of those guys have talked a lot about how can they best capture or improve the genetic potential that already exists in those seeds. And they've seen it through biologicals being a big one, but they're also changing a lot of different variables like population. They're changing mm -hmm. their plant date. They're doing a lot of groundwork to figure out what works best. And they're doing it year over year, whether or not they're doing that on all of their acres or sure, not right. has been really interesting to see the stories that they've been sharing as well. And I know they're sharing them here at the booth at Commodity Classic. We're going to talk about that on Friday afternoon at the BioVamp panel. But those three guys aside, they're maybe a little more famous in the ag space. People recognize their names. What about those customers that are just the everyday guys that aren't competing in yield contests? What kind of results are they seeing? Well, as far as the results, we're seeing anywhere from 5 to 20% on their yield um, increases. And it is a learning curve. So as we move through this biological world and they start applying products, it is an education that we want to help give them. Um, you know, farmers are addressed with landlords. They're addressed with uh, increases in prices, seed costs, to fuel costs, all of this. What we want to do is be able to come in and start assisting and saying there are some places that you could cut um, that will help you manage your, your money. You'll be more profitable. Um, and it, it doesn't matter if this guy that got 100 acres, 300 acres, you know, 3,000 acres. We're not focusing solely on the acreage. We're focused on people who really want to take their farm to the next level and do that from a biological standpoint. So, you know, um, 
small, medium, large, it doesn't really matter. We're going to come try to partner with them, educate them about our products, teach them why they're seeing the responses, how our technology can can bring them and, and enhance their soils and enhance the crop and productivity. And like you said, capturing yield. Capturing yield also means that we're giving up resources. That's energy. That's our time. That's our energy that they're investing in their crop. Farmers are investing. So how can they become more efficient? These guys have families. They have kids. They have activities. So they need to be efficient on their farm as well. So, you know, we want to make sure that that resource is something that they're using wisely. And a lot of times you can do this by not working harder, but working smarter. And I think working smarter is a good segue to talk a little bit about 2022 and where we're at with current input costs and farmers maybe looking to evaluate new options because things with commercial fertilizers, chemicals, etc. are just so expensive this year. And it's going to mm-hmm. be a little bit harder to, even with high commodity prices, um, have a good break-even price. So. I think one of the success stories that's really evident is Matt Brinks, who's a farmer in Northeast Iowa, who's completely removed commercial fertilizer from his operation and still able to maximize that ROI that he sees on his farm. But as you look at new farmers or maybe potential customers that are evaluating things for 2022 or 2023 and saying, hey, inputs are way too expensive this year. I can't afford to put as much fertilizer, nitrogen, whatever on. How does the biological space, how does BioVant fit into that product lineup? Sure. I think one of the things we have to have a clear message there that we can't be back and forth. What we are able to do with the grower is help their efficiencies. Those efficiencies every year, generally we're looking at nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium as our big three, but there's other micronutrients and trace minerals that the plant needs, biology needs, soil biology needs. So when we come to that, our products are going to be able to release these more efficiently. Uh, when we forecast where we're going to be in October of this year, we're going to be in February of next year. Nobody really knows. There's projections, right? So I think the farmer has to step back and say, what if? And a lot of times that is where they're not an expert. They, they seek agronomy. They seek consultants. And so the message has to be clear in the ag industry. This is not a silver bullet. I like to tell guys that you're working with a bandolier. You better have multiple bullets that you can pull from. So that way, when you do get heat stress, you get moisture stress, there are certain practices, management that you can implement to get you through those windows. And and that's part of the company as, as a whole with us. Yes, we have products. Yes, we want to introduce and sell our products. But I think the biggest thing that most people enjoy working with us about is that we're educating them along the way on just other agronomy issues that don't really pertain necessarily to soil biology and microorganisms. So there's value in that, you know, there's um, power and knowledge and, and that's important for everybody. And it's been really neat to listen to some of the farmers sharing their stories who've been with you since towards the beginning of the company, because they say you're still accessible to them. You, the owner, founder, whatever of the company, CEO, you're still out there. You're still having conversations with farmers, getting in the field with them. You're not just sitting in a headquarters somewhere and and pushing the company forward. You're actually out there meeting and greeting those customers that you have, which I think is a good testament to the company. But talking about the product lineup, you guys have basically three main products, as I understand Uh it. Uh, Give us a little information about each of those three products. So what we wanted to do with the product line is address seed, address the soil. And then obviously when the crop is coming up, we wanted to address the plant. So from a biological standpoint, we have a product called BioCore. That's a talc product that has seven micronutrients. We take seven uh, microorganisms and condense them down. So we have a version just 
for corn, one for soybeans, one for that we call an all-purpose, and then one for small grains. So we treat the seed. Those are uh, going to be live microorganisms. It's a talc replacement that growers can use on their planter at the time of planting. And then from the soil amendment or soil inoculant standpoint with biology, we have uh, if, if a farmer does not have an inferral system, then he can spray a product that's called BioRed BC, which is a broadcast version that allows them to tank mix with burn down herbicides. If they have inferral, then they can use some of our technologies, our BioFlex or BioRed IF in the row. And then once we get growing throughout the year, we want to make sure we refer to our plants as athletes. You know, we don't want our athletes to have low metas- metabolism, be sluggish. And so there's a product called Biomate. It brings um, two strains of bacteria that focus on photosynthetic energy and releasing, mineralizing um, from nutrients uh, quickly in the plant and the soil and feeding microorganisms. And then we have sh- four sugars in with that product. So there's a lot of discussion about sugars, adding sugars. Are they beneficial? You know, when we first started um, 10, 11 years ago, there was a one customer in Ohio. He was buying three truckloads of dry cane sugar, 50-pound bags. Well, he had a 72-year-old dad. Well, the dad is like, I'm done with all of this, right? Whenever we met and we have, hey, we can do what you're doing with 3,000 pounds of sugar. We can do it in a two-and-a-half-gallon jug. He told his son, we're going this route. We're not spending all that. I'm tired of manhandling all this stuff. And so what we're trying to address is that seed, the soil, and the plant, and make sure that efficiency, uptake, nutrients, it, it, it's moving upward. It's progressing. And at the end of the day, it's return on investment. Absolutely. Well, for those growers that are listening and thinking, okay, I got to look into the BioVant lineup this year or next year, where can they go to find more information? Sure. They can go to our website, BioVant.com, B-I-O-V-A-N-T-E.com. Fantastic. Chris, thank you so much for uh, joining. Well, Delaney, certainly have enjoyed the conversations or listening to the conversations that you had last week at Commodity Classic. We've still got one more episode to air this week, but it's going to be with Mitchell Hora, who we have had on the podcast before. So folks, if you are gearing up for planting and want to tune into that conversation, be sure to do so at agnewsdaily.com. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.